Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, now as we turn to the pages of Scripture, as we read these words of Jesus, would you speak to us today? Would you move beyond just our ears and into our hearts, into our heads, move into our hands and feet as we become the hands and feet of Jesus in this world and this community? And would you teach us today how to love better? This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, once again, a welcome. Glad that we get to spend this time together this weekend. Uh, while we're transitioning here, just want to mention a couple things by way of announcement. Uh, once again, we are still trying to put together a choir to uh, sing at Easter and help lead our worship time on Easter Sunday this year. If you'd be interested in participating in that, please see me or Josie. Uh, we would love to talk to you, and we'll get you some more details once those are available. And also, be sure that you know that you are invited and welcome. We hope that we will see you tonight as we watch a little football game together. You probably saw the stuff out in the atrium already set up, uh, but our our annual Super Bowl party is this evening. Uh, the game will be on the big screen. Bring a crock pot of soup to share. We'll eat, we'll play, we'll watch the game, and I hope that you'll be here this evening. Uh, if you can stick around for a few minutes after the service and help us move some chairs and things around to get that set up, it'll make our lives a lot easier this afternoon, and we'll appreciate that, and I'll say thank you in advance for uh, helping get that done. Uh, we are in this sermon series uh, that we're calling Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of these statements of Jesus that are difficult. They're hard. They're hard to understand. They're hard to deal with. As a matter of fact, they're so hard to deal with that some people, when they hear these statements of Jesus, they just throw in the towel. They walk away. They don't want anything to do with it. And I, and I get that. Because these are difficult. These are not easy. We've been challenged by these statements that, quite frankly, most of which I wish Jesus just, you know, like the kid, you know, the kid didn't want to hear mama say, no, 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 no. I just wish Jesus never would have said these things. And the problem with these things, as we've heard them from Jesus, as we've heard these words from Jesus, it's not really that they're hard to understand. It's pretty easy to understand what Jesus is saying. The problem, the challenge is they're hard to do. They're hard to live up to this standard. That's our biggest problem. And so as we've walked through some of these statements from Jesus, we've addressed several different ways that we try to, to get out of it. Ways that we try to, if you will, justify why we don't do what Jesus said. Ways that we try to get out of or absolve ourselves of any responsibility for what Jesus said. Or we, we come up with a long list of excuses for why we shouldn't have to do that or why we don't do it like that. The way I figure it, when we read these hard statements from Jesus, we have three choices. The first choice, when you hear one of these statements of Jesus, the first choice is you can tweak it. You can just, just here's what Jesus said. Okay, maybe we'll just, we'll just take these hard words, we'll just, we'll just tweak them just a little bit so they're a little more palatable for our modern ears. We'll try to figure out a way that we can not, a way for them to not mean what they sound like they mean. And so we can tweak it. That's the first option. The second option when it comes to these hard sayings of Jesus is we can just turn away from it. And we just, you hear the words of Jesus and we go, yeah, I'm out. That's not for me. I'm not doing it. And you know what? Back in Jesus' day, when Jesus said these things back in the first century, you know what a lot of people did? I'm out. They, they, did, they couldn't do it. They didn't want to. You know what happens today when we hear these words of Jesus? A lot of people, I'm out. 
I just can't do it. I didn't sign up for this. I'm out of here. Pack it up. Take the ball and go home. I'm fine on my own. I don't need Jesus telling me what to do. But when you're confronted by something that Jesus says, there's a third option. Beyond tweaking it, beyond turning away from it, you can. Number three, you can trust it. You can trust it. You can trust that Jesus is, is actually smart. Jesus was the smartest man who ever lived. And when he speaks, his words have life and wisdom in them. And Jesus wants to say to us, you've got to trust me. Because this won't work for you if you think you know more than I do. This is not going to work out. If you think that you know more than I do, Jesus said to us, it's not going to work for me. Because Jesus not only is the smartest man ever, he created us. He knows who we are. He knows how we're wired. He knows what's best for us. And let's be honest. Sometimes we hear Jesus say things. Sometimes we think we're smarter than Jesus. Sometimes we think we know better than Jesus. Sometimes we think he must not have really realized that there's a, actually an easier way to do this. There's, a, there's an easier route here than Jesus' way. So the question for us all through this series has been, can you trust him? Instead of tweaking, instead of turning away, can you trust him even if it seems crazy? And today, <laughs> today it sounds crazy. Today's thing that I wish Jesus never said, you ready for this? These are words of Jesus. The thing that Jesus, that I wish Jesus never said, that sounds so crazy. Jesus says, hate your mom. Yeah, no, 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 really, he does. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I got that. I've been doing that for 25 years. That's not been a problem. Yeah, good, good, good job, Jesus. No, what, what, seriously, Jesus, you, you want us to hate our moms? Is that really what, yeah, that's really what Jesus said. Let me show it to you. This is Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, beginning verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning, them to, turning to them, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus said things for the shock effect sometimes, didn't he? What do we do with this? How does this line up with the same guy who said in Matthew, love your neighbor? We're supposed to love our neighbor, but hate our mom. Wait, hold on, Jesus, what are you talking about? How does this line up with the same guy who says later, who will say, love your enemies? Wait, I, I gotta love my enemy, but I gotta hate my mom? Jesus, what does this mean? Well, <clears throat> obviously, there's some hyperbole here. This is Jesus is obviously one of those Bible verses that's not to be taken taken literally Sometimes when you take a verse like this one literally you miss the truth So Jesus did not say this mean for us to take this literally, but he did mean for us to take this seriously He was speaking in what in a, a, a literature term a rhetorical term called hyperbole in order to make a very strong point a very strong statement Here's what Jesus is saying if you want to follow Jesus, he's saying, if you want to follow me, if you've got to have to put me above all the other things in your life that you love. If you're going to follow me, I've got to be above everything else in your life. All the things that you cherish the very most in your life, you've got to put me above those. Even those relationships. Even those relationships that are mean more to you than you think anything else, I've got to mean more to you than even that. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, 
you've got to make sure that no thing and no one comes between you and me even to the point that by comparison the most important love that you have and that you experience on this planet would seem like hate compared to how much you love jesus so let's pay attention to what's going on in this text so we kind of get an idea of what jesus is getting at verse 25 it says that large crowds were traveling with jesus so there's multitudes around him. The writer's telling there are lots and lots of people literally tagging along with Jesus. The whole crowd is kind of hanging around kind of this, can I use this word? It's a mob mentality. There's this mob of people around Jesus. You know what the mob mentality is. Everybody wants to do what everyone else is doing. Everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. We do this with a lot of things. And as much as I'm sure that Jesus wanted everyone in this crowd to have a relationship with him, to understand who he was and who God is through him, I think Jesus was also concerned about the mob mentality, the bandwagon. Because in the midst of these crowd, this crowd, some people in the crowd had not made any sort of investment into being a follower of Christ. No, no money down, so to speak. They're just tagging along. They're just enjoying the show. They like the thrill of the miracles. They like to see people get healed. And they, they like the free meals. There was a lot of that. Jesus has this attention-catching, attention-drawing thing. And so they were just kind of along for the ride because it was a good show. And I wonder. I wonder if Jesus looked at this crowd today here on Pleasant Valley Road. A bunch of church people. I wonder if he looked out today if he would see some of us just tagging along here today too. Just going through the motions, just part of the crowd, a, a mob mentality. And why not? I mean, let's be honest. This, this church, Faith Christian Church, this is a great place to be, right? This is an awesome place. The music's great. It's fun here. Our children's programming, our student program, second to none. There's free coffee, lots of parking. The preacher doesn't suck. It's, always, it's creative. It's, at least I don't think he does. It's creative. It's fun. Listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. In fact, those are all very, very, very good things. Unless, unless it gets some of us to falsely, falsely believe that just tagging along, tagging along with Jesus, being a part of the crowd, was the same as actually connecting to Jesus in a personal way. And I think that's what Jesus' point here is in Luke 14. He wants to make sure that you know and that I know that there is a big difference between being attracted to Jesus and being attached to Jesus. A big difference between being in the crowd and being connected to Jesus in a personal relationship. Between being part of the masses and having Jesus as our master. Let me say it like this. Jesus doesn't want to date you. He wants to marry you. He wants a covenant with you. He wants a lifelong commitment with you. He doesn't want to flirt with you. He wants to know. I'm calling out, he says, I'm calling out and I'm asking, is there anyone here, is there anyone here who wants to really follow me? Is there anyone here who is ready today to take up all your chips and push them into the middle of the table and say, I'm all in with Jesus? That's what Jesus is talking about here to all the tagging along folk. He wants to know, are you all in? Are you invested? 
or are you just tagging along? Matthew tells us the same story that Luke tells us in Luke 14. Matthew gives us the same story in a parallel text in, in chapter 10 of Matthew. Here's how Matthew quotes Jesus. Jesus saying, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's the kind of love that Jesus is looking for. And he can't make it any more extreme. So are you attracted to Jesus or are you attached to Jesus in a sort of I'll put you first Jesus I'll put you first kind of way so that the first consideration of your mind will be to Jesus the first thought as you make decisions will be to Jesus these are the people that these put Jesus first people these are the people the kind of people that Jesus wants following him because they're the kind of people that he can work with. They're the kind of people he can work through. They're the kind of people that trust, even when they start to think that they're smarter than Jesus, they can trust Jesus. And all of a sudden, those people, well, their neighborhoods, and their coworkers, and their classmates are influenced by the love of Jesus because they know how to love better, and they do it. Their lives have more power because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, is living inside them, working through them. Their church becomes alive because they're following not a preacher, not a group of elders, they're following Jesus. That's what this is all about. Jesus is saying, trust me. I know more about what's best for your life than you do. And if you'll obey, it's unbelievable the blessings that you're going to experience in your life. But it doesn't work if you're just kind of here to tag along and get a free cup of coffee. You've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. Now, when Jesus says these words in the first century, this, this mass, this large group of people around him, most of these people would have been Jews. When they ever heard these words of Jesus, this would not have been new to them. They would have heard these words, and they would have immediately thought about, a flashback in their mind, they immediately thought back to what we call the book of Exodus, the Old Testament, uh, or the Jewish scriptures, uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 10 is where we find, or excuse me, chapter 20 is where we find what we call the Ten Commandments. And the very first commandment, the very first, number one of the ten, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. There's going to be nothing more important than me. So God says to Moses, the first commandment to all these people, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. Well, what's a god? Well, a god is anything or anyone, anything that draws my ultimate allegiance, anything that I'm the most committed to, anything that demands my mental focus, anything that occupies me, anything that I give my allegiance and my loyalty to, that can be a God. So there can be, if we're not careful, there can be a God of work, can't there? A God of our career. There can be a God of popularity. Jesus says no other gods. A God of popularity, wanting to be the trendsetter, wanting to, to look the part, wanting to play the part. There can be a God of wanting our kids to succeed, wanting our kids to be popular. There can be a God of success. There can be a God of leisure, can't there? Can I step on your toes a minute? There can be a God of politics, or patriotism can be a God. Jesus says no other gods. Listen to me. Love your kids. Love your kids. 
but don't make them the center of your home and the center of your life because sometimes people make gods out of their kids that's jesus's spot at the center of your home that's jesus's spot at the center of your life and in this statement jesus is saying even family even family don't put that above god the best thing that you can do for your family the best thing that you can do for your kids the best thing you can do for your family is to put jesus at the center of your home in the most important spot in your life and in the life of your family it's about 100 percent loyalty to jesus James will tell us, in James 1.8, James was the brother of Jesus. He says, he, he talks in, in, in chapter 1, he talks about the double-minded person and how when we're double-minded, when we try to, to flip our loyalties, we are unstable. We can't, we can't cope if we start dividing our loyalties. Jesus will say in Matthew 6 that we can't have two masters. He doesn't say it's a bad idea to have two masters. He doesn't say it's really hard on you. It's going to be kind of ugly if you try to have two. He says you cannot have two masters masters you can't do it don't pretend that you can and this is what jesus saying here is saying here he's not telling us to get rid of the other stuff he's not telling us to get rid of our work and our families or our our, our allegiance our not our allegiance our patriotism our policy he's not telling us to get rid of that stuff most of it is really really good it's good stuff but you've got to make sure that jesus is elevated above all the other stuff the great writer of the past generation, Oswald Chambers, said this. I love this quote. He says, Sometimes the good, my family, my kids, my calendar, my ambition, all good things, sometimes the good can be an enemy of the best. And sometimes family gets right in there, right in the way. I, I want to try to show this to you because I think if, if you see it, this will help you remember so Jesus says to me in a passage like this, think of the most precious relationship in your life. Think of the people that you cherish the most. Who would that be? Well, he, he starts by talking about parents. So we'll start by talking about parents. I think of my mom and dad. They're in their 70s now, living down there in Kingsport, Tennessee. I've, I've always had a great relationship with my parents. My dad was my best man in my wedding. My mom, I think about my mom, she's still suffering the effects from a couple of strokes she's had over the last couple of years, and my dad's so patiently caring for her. I just, I appreciate them. I respect them. I want to honor them. What could be closer, what could be more special than a healthy relationship with your parents? So let me put this on my ladder here. Parents. What could be more special than that? Well, maybe the relationship I have with my wife. I think about Megan. She's not here today. She's visiting her parents, of all things. I think about her. We've been married for more than 23 years. She's a saint, I promise you. <laughs> Put up with this guy for that long. I want to honor her. I want to cherish her. I want her to know that she is loved by me. I want to be faithful to her. I want to put her on a pedestal. I want to be everything that she needs for me to be. I want to show her. I want to tell her that she's the best and that she makes me happy. What could be more special than that? Well, I got two daughters. <laughs> I made them. They're pretty incredible, too. What about that relationship we have with our kids? I love them. I love these two girls. I love them so much that it hurts sometimes. I'm so proud of them. If one of them was in danger, I would put my own life at risk to rescue. If one of them were drowning, if one of them fell into the lion pit at the zoo, I'd be the first one over the wall to get them. I would... 
I would lay down my life for my girls. What could be closer than that? Well, I mean, I do love me. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty awesome too, right? Uh, uh, I, I like me. I, 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 look, I love myself. I, I look up to myself. I, I think I'm pretty smart. I tend to protect myself. I tend to defend myself. There's a pretty strong drive in me that loves me and a pretty strong drive in you that loves you. What could be better than that? You see, like a ladder leading up and up and up, these most important relationships in our lives, Jesus says, I've got to be above all of them. I've got to be at the top of the ladder. I've got to be at the top so that every relationship that you hold dear is not as great as this one. And as important as all of these loves are, and as much as we treasure these loves, as so much as we protect these loves, as much as we fight for these loves, Jesus says, by comparison, your love for me is going to make this seem so small. Make it seem like hate. That's how strong your allegiance is to me. So Jesus says, following me means that you honor me and you appreciate me more than your parents. Following me means you cherish and protect and put me on a pedestal and you are faithful to me even more than you would be faithful to your husband or wife. Following me means that you love me so much that it hurts, that you'd be willing to jump into a dangerous situation for my sake, take up your own cross, lay down your own life for me. And every other relationship, every other relationship, no matter how good that relationship is, no matter how important that relationship is, comes in second. When you say to Jesus, Jesus, I love you more. Now, fortunately, fortunately, it's not very often that we find ourselves in a situation where we have to make a choice between loving Jesus or loving our family. But let me say a word or two about that. A friend of mine um, has been one of my Bible, Bible college friends. He's been in ministry as long as I have. He and his wife minister at a campus ministry in Missouri, a big university in Missouri. And recently, this campus ministry was having their weekly, um, weekly time of worship. Several hundred students come. They have a worship service during the middle of the week. And after the service, this young girl um, comes up to the camp to this, my friend and asks if she can talk to him for a few minutes. And as they begin to talk, he, he knew this little girl a little bit. He, he and his wife, they work with international students in the, in the campus ministry. That's their, their part of the ministry. She was one of their international students. She was from Africa. She had come to our country to study. She'd come from an area where her family had gone through some horrible torture and some terrible stuff during some of the civil wars that have happened on that continent. And as they talked... She said that she had come from a Muslim family. But after learning about Jesus, being here, being a part of the, of, on the campus there in Missouri, being a part of that campus ministry, after learning about Jesus over the past several months, she has decided to follow Jesus. She's going to put her life and trust in Jesus and be baptized into Jesus. Well, her concern was not about that. Her concern, what she wanted to talk to my friend about, was that when she went home, or when she goes home on spring break, she doesn't know what to do. Because her parents are going to be asking her if she was still a Muslim or not. And if she would go with them, when well, she's still Muslim, and will she go with them to the mosque on Fridays when they're there? And she asked my friend, what should I say to them? What do I say? I don't want to be a Muslim. 
I want to be a follower of Jesus. You know, when you stand in front of a young lady like that, you realize that for most of us, most of us, our greatest obstacle to following Jesus is really just inconvenience, isn't it? Or boredom. Not real suffering. When you realize that this woman, for her, the choice, the real choice was between Christ and her family. Because as she went on to explain, as in the case in many of the persecuted areas of our world today, if she were to confess Jesus Christ, she will be dead to her family. They'll cut her off. She'll lose her financial future. She'll lose her emotional connection to her parents, to her siblings. But Jesus has turned her world upside down so much that she's trying to figure out how to honor her parents at the same time as she honors her commitment to Jesus Christ. You see, following Jesus for that young lady is not a game, is it? It's not just an attraction. It's an attachment that she can't change. And she has to figure out what it means for her. I wonder. I wonder if I love Jesus that much. Let's be willing to admit it. If I think I'm smarter than Jesus, let's be willing to admit it. But I'm going to take the dare to trust him that he knows what's best for my life. Fred Craddock is one of my all-time favorite preachers. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Um, just an old kind of southern, southern preacher, just a great teacher of preachers. He taught, taught preaching, wrote a bunch of books, and just a phenomenal preacher. Here's one of his stories. I love this story. I think I've told you this story before. I love this story. He tells a story about a missionary family who was living in China. They were doing mission work, trying to, to take the, the, the name and message of Jesus to the country of China, and they were forced to leave shortly, um, shortly after the communists took over China, so they're kind of back in history a little bit. Um, they were forced to leave their home in China and have to, have to come back to the States. And so one day, a group of soldiers came to their home, banged on the door, knocked on the door, told the missionary, told his wife, told their kids, said they had two hours Two hours to pack up everything they had before the troops would come back and escort them to the train station to take them out of the country. They had two hours to figure it all out, and they told them they could take with them 200 pounds of stuff. They got a whole home. So you can take 200 pounds of things with you. So immediately, in two hours, they got to figure out what are the 200 pounds worth of stuff we're going to take. They're trying to figure out what, what's good, what's best, what do we have to take? They're, gather, they're gathering stuff. They're bickering about this and that, what they should take, what was the most important thing that they should take with them. What about this vase? Well, it's a family heirloom. We've got to take that. What about my typewriter? It's brand new. We just got it. We've got to take that. What about all these books? These are my tools. We've got to take these books. I can't live without my books. They're so important. And they bickered back and forth about the stuff, about the clothes and all the things. They got out the bathroom scale. They weighed the stuff, figured out 200 pounds right on the dot. Two hours later, troops at the door. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. We got our stuff. Did you weigh your things? Yes, we weighed our things. 200 pounds, not a pound more, right on the dot. Then the soldiers asked, did you weigh your kids? What? Did you weigh the children? No. You better weigh your kids. And in that instant, all the things, the vase, the typewriter, the books, the clothes, 
It's all trash. We're taking the kids. We don't need any of that. Jesus brings us to moments of clarity like that in my life, in your life. He does that all the time. When all of a sudden you realize that what's really real and what's really important and all of the scurry and all the bickering and all of the fretting and putting on and off the allegiances and the loyalties of life, all of a sudden, all of that drifts away. And we realize the one thing that we will seek, the one thing that matters, is him. And he's at the top of the ladder. So Jesus is begging you. He's begging you to trust him on this. So let me just leave you with the question. What's competing for your heart today? Let me pray for you. For our community team, we'll go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve us. Father, we live in a world that's loud. It's full of stuff. It's full of noise. It's full of scurrying and bickering and all kinds of nonsense. And sometimes we just need a moment of clarity. And so that's why we come to the cross. That's why we come to our time of communion each week. To have just a moment of clarity to kind of reset our thinking and our priorities. And to remember what you have done for us through your son Jesus. And how that is our most important thing. So give us the courage to trust you on that put you at the top of the ladder to put you at the throne of our lives and trust that you know what's best for us we pray today in the name of Jesus